Welcome into another episode of American Ag Today, produced by the American Ag Network. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. Well, the conditions along America's inland waterway system remain concerning. Farmers are harvesting an overall strong crop, but the inland waterway system they use to ship commodities doesn't have the ability to accommodate large amounts of new grains. It's especially hard on the soybean industry because September through February accounts for 80% of U.S. soybean exports. Because over half of America's soybeans are exported, barge transportation is essential. American Commercial Barge Line says depth restrictions of no greater than 9 feet have been instituted on the lower Mississippi River, an almost 30% decrease. Barges are often loaded 11 to 12 feet this time of year on the Mississippi River, south of St. Louis. For every one foot of decreased water depth, that means 5,000 fewer bushels are loaded onto each barge. A maximum of 25 barges can be connected on the lower Mississippi, compared to 30 to 40 barges in typical years. The USDA has launched a new online tool to help farmers and ranchers better navigate the farm loan application process. The now uniform application process will help make sure all farm loan applicants receive equal support and have a consistent customer service experience with USDA's Farm Service Agency, regardless of individual circumstances. USDA experiences a high rate of incomplete or withdrawn applications due in part to a challenging and lengthy paper-based application process. The new loan assistance tool is available 24-7 and gives customers an online step-by-step guide that supplements the support applicants receive in person at an FSA office. For more information, go to farmers.gov. Last week, Ag Secretary Tom Vilsack said the USDA is providing $759 million to bring high-speed internet access to people in rural and underserved areas. The funds will go to various projects to help improve internet access in 24 states, Puerto Rico, Guam, and Palau. Mitch Landrew is a White House senior advisor and President Biden's infrastructure coordinator. He says rural areas need better internet access for many reasons. We're building a better America through ensuring that our investments reach everyone including our rural and our underserved communities. Rural communities are the backbone of our nation, but for too long they've been left behind and they have been underrecognized. For too long they haven't had access to basic resources like affordable, reliable, high-speed internet. And considering that we all know how essential the internet is in order to access life-saving telemedicine, to tap into economic opportunity, to connect with loved ones, to work on precision agriculture, and so much more, that's just beyond unacceptable that that's not available to rural America. That is why today we are so excited to announce $759 million from the Department of Agriculture to bring high-speed internet access to communities across 24 states, Puerto Rico, Guam, and Palau. The investments include funding for the bipartisan infrastructure law, which provides $65 billion to help expand reliable and affordable internet access. Vilsack says rural America provides a large boost to the U.S. economy and needs reliable internet to continue doing so. If you think about it, rural America provides our nation's food and energy resources, produces the fiber for goods and manufacturing, contributes more than 35% of our nation's military, and operates about 80% of the nation's critical infrastructure lifelines. We can ensure that rural communities have access to the internet connectivity needed to continue to expand the economy from the bottom up and the middle out. The $759 million in loans and grants comes from the third funding round of the ReConnect program. For more information about investment resources for rural areas, you can go online to rd.usda.gov. A new report from Farm Journal shows farmer perspectives and concerns on pathways and barriers to participating in carbon markets. A majority of farmers surveyed revealed significant concerns about overcoming technical and financial roadblocks to having success in the carbon markets. Producers worry that the benefits won't be worth the cost. Ongoing compliance regulations will be burdensome 
and that existing ag practices they already have in place in their operations won't be fairly compensated. In the report, the initial findings show that even the most carbon-curious farmers are saying that participating in current market conditions would require too much time, effort, and resources without fair returns on those investments. Farmers are also concerned about their data and whether it will get handled appropriately or will be difficult to collect. After several years, 97% of farmers aren't ready to participate in carbon markets, but 93% are aware that they exist. Well, another story tied into carbon markets. A company is filing for a permit from the Iowa Utilities Board to begin building a proposed carbon capture pipeline. A pipeline proposed by Navigator CO2 would stretch across 33 Iowa counties for 1,300 miles from Illinois to the Dakotas. It would pass through Woodbury County, Iowa, where a landowner is in court challenging the project. The landowner refused to sign off on the company using the land or allow surveyors on the property. Navigator CO2 says the project would cost more than $3 billion. The Creighton University October Rural Main Street Index dropped for the sixth time in the last seven months. It's the fifth consecutive month that the index has been below growth neutral, which is 50 on a scale of 1 to 100. Dr. Ernie Goss of Creighton University says the index shows the rural economy is struggling. The rural Main Street economy is weak, to some degree getting somewhat weaker. So it was not a good report. All in all, there were some factors that stood out, but overall it was not a good month. It's a lot to do with the businesses on Main Street. That would be the retailers, the small leisure and hospitality, that would be restaurants and bars and hotels and motels and such. Those not very good at all. He says farmers in their survey area still seem to be doing well despite economic headwinds. The farmer is in reasonably good condition, at least according to the bankers. They expect delinquencies and defaults to actually come down in 2023. Now, that was a surprise to me. Also, the farm equipment sales declined for two of the last three months. As August and September, they were up, but then again back in October down. And of course, that has a lot to do with interest rates and the outlook for the farmer as that farmer is purchasing less new equipment and resorting to some older or used equipment. Goss says higher inflation rates are a challenge, but there's more to the economic struggles than that. It's higher interest rates, of course, and we're going to get another rate hike next week from the Federal Reserve, and I think we'll get one more in December, and that may be it. I think the Fed's going to pull back on their rate hikes, but it's still having negative impacts. But also the global economy, of course, is very weak. We've got shutdowns, lockdowns in China, of course, and China's a big customer of farmers in this part of the country, and that's showing up in our surveys. Likewise, Europe and some concerns in terms of supplies on the input side for the farmer, what's going on in Ukraine, and that has an impact raising costs. For example, natural gas prices are really putting a pinch on some parts of the farm economy. And then finally, a drought, certainly on the western part of the region that we survey. Recession is a word that popped up several times in the October survey. Almost 100%, between 99 and 100% of the bankers say we're either in a recession right now or we're going to be in one in 2023. I think next week when the BEA releases its quarterly GDP number for the third quarter, I think it's going to be sort of okay, meaning around 2% growth. That's annualized and season adjusted. That makes it not a recession. Now, normally we use two consecutive quarters of declining GDP. Well, we met that this year when quarter one was negative, quarter two was negative in terms of growth. The quarter three is going to come in, I think, slightly positive. And again, that's comments with Dr. Ernie Goss of Creighton University. And that's going to do it for another episode of American Ag Today, produced by the American Ag Network. I'm your host, Jesse Allen, wishing you a great rest of your day.